What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Bleeding BNG. We're at episode 11, so guys, we're getting this content out. We're pushing these episodes out as we get closer to the NFL draft. Draft season is here, so we're going to go ahead and give you full-fledged draft coverage in this episode. So like we did in our previous episode, episode 10, where we gave you some realistic draft options on the offensive side of the board for some prospects entering the 2021 NFL Draft for Washington. We'll be doing the same in this episode, but this time we'll be doing the defensive side of the ball. So we have a lot of prospects to cover, and we have a lot of information that I want to give to you guys. Like I said, you guys can can use like I said in the prior um, episode, you guys can use Bleeding BNG as your draft guide to get you prepared for the 2021 NFL draft. So we gave you the offensive position um, prospects to look out for in our last episode. So today is defense. Today is time for the defense. But before we get into this draft information, guys, there's been some news and information regarding the Washington football team that um, has happened or that has come up um, since our last episode. So last Friday, um, actually to give us a time step on today's episode, it is actually Tuesday, April the 5th at about 11 p.m. So last Friday, Coach Rivera actually had his first press conference um, since free agency has started and um, he dropped a lot of gems. There were a lot of gems that um, were taken out of that um out of that press conference, maybe the biggest um, gem was that he actually revealed that um, Ryan Fitzpatrick will actually go into training camp as the number one, as the starter, but there will be a competition between, you know, Taylor Heineke himself and Kyle Allen. So he did say that, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick is the presumed starter for right now, but he will have to, you know, earn his keep and um, keep that secure, um, earn his security for that position um, throughout a training camp battle. Um, also, Coach Rivera, um, one of the biggest things that I took out from the press conference is that he's a William Jackson III guy. And like I told you guys um, in one of the prior episodes, that William Jackson III is probably my favorite off-season off signing. And I think it might be Coach Ron as well. Um, he was just giving um, William Jackson such high praise. So I can tell that um, this defense, especially you know Coach Rivera and Coach Del Rio, they're excited about that William Jackson signing and has you know big plans for the future. Another thing that I um, got from the press conference is that organizational alignment that I was talking about in my earlier episodes when you know this series first started or this podcast first started I was starting to see that in um, Coach Rivera's press conference you know he was giving high praise to um, Marty Herney and Martin Mayhew um, constantly constantly he called those guys role warriors he said those guys really you know get into the film um, whether that be with college prospects or NFL prospects so he had a lot of praise for those guys and I'm starting to understand why you know he felt comfortable hiring those guys and bringing in those guys to work alongside those guys um, as you know the Washington football team has this coach centric approach that we've adopted since we hired coach Rivera last year um, so that's it for the Washington football team news and notes um, and yeah, it's time to get into the draft coverage. So like I said, guys, today's episode is all about realistic draft options that I think, you know, can be attainable for the Washington football team within the first half of the draft. So within the earlier rounds, um, particularly rounds one through three. As you remember in our last episode, we said that we were working with rounds one through three because as you work later in the draft, you know, the entire draft is a crapshoot. But as you get later into the draft, it's like really a crapshoot. And it's like, 
almost like uh, you you have to have the inexact science to predict where some of these guys go because you don't know how high some teams view this guy on their board as compared to other NFL circles and uh, you know fans communities NFL mock draft sites and things like that. So like I said, these are realistic draft options for the Washington football team within the first three rounds or within their first four or five picks. So to start off at 19, to start off at 19, I will start off with, you know, the best prospect that I think that may potentially be available at 19, and that is Micah Parsons. So guys, I want to start by saying that I do believe that Micah Parsons is a top five talent, but there are some reasons that he may slip in the draft. You know, he did opt out of this last season, the 2020 season, due to, you know, the um, coronavirus pandemic. Um, so we haven't seen him play in almost two years, and there's also been um, numerous character concerns that have come out about Michael Parsons throughout um, you know the NFL draft process or, or this draft season um, some of them are very graphic and very concerning um, but I do think that he is the best uh, player attainable at 19 he's a 6'3 245 pound linebacker out of Penn State and he is a heat seeking missile he is a heat seeking missile when tracking down the ball he's a freak athlete at his pro day he ran a 4'3 for somebody that's 6'3", 245 pounds. Guys, that is insane. And when we last saw him on the football field, he, you know, oh, he was out there in the Big Ten week in and week out giving menacing hits. Um, he won, you know, Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year as a sophomore. So this guy is a special talent. This guy is a special talent, no doubt about it. So there is reason to believe that he should be drafted before 19 because that's what his talent warrants. But like I said, with the character concerns and us not seeing him in two years, you know, do you never know with the crapshoot that the NFL draft is and he does have some flaws to his games you know he does tend to rely on his athleticism a little too much you know when taking on blockers and things he tends to try to be um, chase blocks to the point of attacking things like that instead of taking on blockers head on which I think he can do because you know he's not a small guy at 6'3 245 pounds he's more than big enough um, for a prototype NFL linebacker in the um, today's um, day and age so like I said guys he's a heat seeking missile so he's going to he's somebody that's going to instantly help your run game because like I said he's somebody that relies on his athleticism but I think that his instincts are good enough where that you know um, you know he can he can use those as well as his athleticism he can combine those to become the freaky special player that I think he has the potential to become so um, the, the the best player that I think that's attainable at 19 is Michael Parsons linebacker from um, Penn State and that's if he slips in the draft you know I saw I've seen mocks go with him going as high as you know seven to eight you know and I've seen mocks have him slipping to like 26 um, due to the character to concerns and things like that but don't get me wrong this is a top five talent and i would be ecstatic if he's still there at 19 we should run to the podium like i told you guys with the um Devontae smith and Jalen waddle and those guys last week we should run to the podium if michael parsons is there at 19 because he's like a Guys, like if we're being honest, the run defense was the weak spot of our defense last year. The Giants ran on us in both games. You know, Detroit ran on us when they wanted to. The Detroit Lions ran on us when they wanted to. I remember DeAndre Swift going off in that game. And then you bring in somebody like Michael Parsons, that'll be a neutralizer. Like I said, he's somebody that instantly helps your run defense. Um, Penn State didn't really put him in coverage um, as much. But with his athletic traits and his athletic abilities, there's no reason why I don't think that he can become a you know an adept. A 
an adequate um, coverage linebacker in the NFL. Somebody with those measurables and that type of speed, it's only it's, it's up to how good he wants to become at covering, um, honestly. Because, like I said, this is a freak of nature that we're talking about. So I'm going to keep it in the lines of linebackers because I think that's the most likely position that we go to in the defense if we do draft um, – um, if we do draft defense at um, 19 in round one. Um, so the next linebacker that I want to talk about is Jamin Davis, linebacker out of the University of Kentucky. And this has been my gra- this is my new draft crush, guys. Um, like I know um, a lot of people have been saying that he's rising up draft boards, but he's somebody that actually caught my eye during the season. Um, Jamin Davis is about 6'4", 235 34 pounds and in his pro day he ran a 4-4-140 with over a 40 inch vert and about 11 inch of broad jump i mean 11 foot broad jump guys that that's freaky numbers for somebody that's 6-4 235 pounds that's freaky numbers so we're talking about freak athletes when we're talking about michael parsons and jamin davis he's somebody that um like i said he caught my eye during the season he's he's been rising up draft boards throughout the draft process but um i actually remember watching the game live against the University of Florida where I was like, who is this linebacker that's running stride for stride with Kyle Pitts? Guys, Kyle Pitts is a generational tight end um, talent and prospect out of the University of Florida. And, you know, while they weren't matched up in coverage throughout the game, or particularly a lot, when he did have to match up with Kyle Pitts, he did better than any linebacker that I saw or any safety that, for that matter or any defender for that matter um, facing Kyle Pitts this year. Um, there was a couple seam routes where he was running stride for stride with Pitts where Kyle's trash didn't even look to throw the ball. I know there was a corner route that he had well covered, which he... Uh, um, Trash still tried to get it there, but Davis was there, you know, defending it. And this is a linebacker, guys. This is a linebacker that is 6'4", 235 pounds. And like I said, I think he has good eyes. He has good eyes in both the pass and the run game. You know, he sees passing lanes. He has a good um, he has a good understanding of passing concepts. And that's something that you need if we're going to run a, a zone-heavy defense like we did last year. Um, and like I said, he's, it's in both the pass and the run game. So he's somebody that sees holes opening before they're there um, for running backs. So he's meeting a lot of running backs in the hole. And while he's not necessarily a thumper, he does attack the ball and he does, you know, get the guy down on the ground. He's a long arm linebacker with 33 inch arms. And like, and like I said, my only, my, my biggest question about him is his ability to shed blocks. And he's, he, he has really good instincts, like I said before. So he wasn't in this scenario or in this circumstance a lot where he had to take on a lot of blockers because he would usually beat those guys to the point or he would beat those guys to the football. But there were instances where, you know, I would like to see him have a harder punch when taking on linebackers or when shedding linebackers, I mean, when shedding linemen and taking on linemen and things like that. Something that you're really going to have to do in the NFC East when you got teams like the Dallas Cowboys and, you know, the old, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles of the past five years that, that can and will run the ball down your throat if they see that as a weakness. So I'm all in the Jamin Davis fan camp as well. Um, the next linebacker that I want to talk about is JOK. A lot of people know this guy, Jeremiah Owusu Karamoa, um, the linebacker out of Notre Dame. Um, he is 6'1, 221 pounds, and he has 33 inch arms as well. And if you guys see, when I, um, if you guys noticed when I mentioned his weight, you know, he's pretty light. Um, he has a pretty light frame. 
frame at 221 pounds, but he's a long athlete and he's versatile. He's somebody I think can play the whale in a 4-3 scheme. He's somebody that I think can play strong safety at times and he can be a big nickelback, which is what Notre Dame had him do a lot this past season. He was covering the slot in a lot of instances um, and he wasn't necessarily, you know, playing man-to-man, but in a lot of zone schemes, he would have hurt curl responsibilities or curl to flat responsibilities and he was able to show that he can hold up in coverage. Um, one of my favorite things about JOK is that while he is light for a linebacker with frame, he's one of the hardest hitters in the draft. As I mentioned before, there was a college game day feature where, you know, a, li- um, a professor at one of the universities did a formula for actually how hard this dude was hitting people. And this is a linebacker, you know, I was mentioning he, Michael Parsons is 245 pounds, so JOK is, JOK is about 25 pounds lighter than this dude, and I actually think that JOK is probably the hardest hitter out of this group of guys that I'm mentioning um, today. Like I said, he will be an enforcer on your defense. Um, the weight does scare me, because that puts him in kind of like the tweener category where we saw Isaiah Simmons at last year, and if you re- if you guys can remember from this past football season, the Arizona Cardinals had times, you know, the, especially early in the season, find out how to deploy Isaiah Simmons. You know, he came on a lot later in the season, but that was actually when they were actually moving him off the ball and having him play like the quasi-safety type role, even though he was projecting to move from safety to linebacker in the NFL coming out of Clemson. He actually saw a lot of his success late in the season playing a quasi-safety type role, and I don't know if you're going to have to make those type of adjustments for JOK, but that tweener label, that 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 6'1 to 6'2, 220 to 225 pound size frame, you know, that Dion Buchanan, it kind of does scare me because, like I said, guys, we're in the NFC East where you do have teams that will punch the ball down your throat if they see that this is a weakness. You know, these are the teams that, you know, you play six games out of the year. This is where the bulk of your schedule comes from. So you got to have, you, you always, I always think that you have to consider, you know, the teams in your division when you're drafting and when you're building your team because those are essentially like those are the teams that you're trying to place ahead of and those are the teams that you're going to be competing with the most with in the season so like i said I love JOK as a prospect, and I think he, his versatility is amazing. You know, that's something that's going to really um, appeal to Coach Del Rio and Coach Rivera. But, you know, that is he a tweener? Do we know where to play him? Like I said, I do think that he can play the well in the 4-3, but we would have to have linebackers, I mean, our linemen, that Alabama wall that we talk about so highly of we he would they would have to keep JOK clean nearly the entire game because once a, a linebacker gets to I mean once a lineman gets to him on the second level and gets his hands on him it's a wrap it's a wrap and it's honestly hard for somebody to or it's honestly hard for us as fans to expect somebody that's 6'1 221 pounds to be shedding blocks to these guys at 6'5 6'6 315 pounds so I can see him playing like that big buffalo position that Cam Curl played a lot early in the season before Landon Collins got hurt and like a that that gives you a, a, an advantage because you know when when offenses are doing figuring out what packages to come out in, if you don't have to swap out a base, they don't know. You know, you can slide JOK out and hey, maybe maybe slide the linebackers over and just run four 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 linemen with, with you know your three backers covering, you know, eleven and twelve personnel. I mean eleven personnel, which is so 
so popularly so so popularly used in today's game. So I love JOK as a versatile chess piece type defender. My biggest knock on him is he does, while he is a hard hitter and probably the hardest hitter in the draft, he does have some inconsistencies as a tackler because he uh, he is always looking for that knockout blow. And I think that does have something. Uh, uh, something to do with his size as well you know when you're 221 pounds and you're throwing your body at these 230 and 240 pound linebackers and you don't I mean running backs and you throwing your body at running backs that may be you know your size you know that's going to take a toll on you at that frame so that's my biggest knock on JOK is his inconsistencies as a tackler but I do think if he's the selection at 19 you automatically upgrade your defense because you get a defensive chess piece that offenses won't know how to to, you know maneuver around and you also get um an enforcer on the defense as well who somebody's going to set the tone with every tackle that they make all right to round out the first round linebacker options the last one i want to talk about and it's somebody that i actually talked about in our mock offseason um episode um a couple weeks back and that's linebacker zayvon collins out of tulsa He's huge. He's 6'4", 260 pounds. In his pro day, he ran, you know, somewhere where the high 4'6 to 4'7", 40. Um, and, you know, honestly, before um, his pro day, he's somebody that I thought would, might actually test a little better because he looks like a good athlete in space. Um, one of the things or a couple of the things that I do like about him is that he seems to be a good blitzer with whether that be like delayed blitzes um, coming from the middle of the field at the middle linebacker at the mic position or whether that be rushing off the edge. He had one of the highest pass rushing um, percentages whether for regardless of any position um, in the country. Um, and I know that's coming out of Tulsa, but you see that the pass rushing capabilities are there. And he does give you, you know, he does have the size um, and the frame of an edge type rusher, you know, more off ball um, inside linebackers they're you know typically you know 6'2 to 6'3 you know 230 245 pounds but this guy's 6'4 260 pounds so that's close to like Chase Young size guys playing at them you know inside off ball linebacker position one of the things that I didn't like though is that for somebody this that this this big you know, I, I think that he can do a better job shedding tackles. Um, and I think that's due to some of, uh, I think that he has poor instincts. So, you know, and poor play recognition. Um, so, you know, he tends to let, you know, offensive linemen get up to him before he realizes where the ball is going. Kind of opposite from what I was saying with Jamin Davis, who has good uh, a good ability to track the ball. Um, but I, I, I think that, you know, if you improve those instincts for um, Collins, and um, he can he can be a tremendous player. Because he's somebody that you can use as a chess piece as well. Like I said, he's good rushing off the edge. He's good rushing up the middle. And he's a good athlete. He's somebody that I actually think can stand to lose about 10 to 12 more pounds and become even more twitchier because at 6'4", 260 pounds, he moves well in space. You know, while the 4740 time isn't knocking anybody's socks off, especially um, compared to some of the names that I mentioned before, we got to consider this guy is 15 pounds heavier than Michael Parsons. He's 25 pounds heavier than Jamin Davis. So, you know, running what? Three tenths of a second slower or two tenths of a second slower isn't that you know isn't that bad you know it's almost nearly as freaky when you especially consider like that's that's them running with a 25 pound weight vessel essentially uh they still able to run these four threes and four fours and things like that so i do like zayvon collins his pro day didn't scare me off like i did see that it scared some people in the washington football team community off it didn't scare me off as much um but but um he would probably um if i would have to rank 
like the four linebackers that I just mentioned. I would probably go Michael Parsons one, but um, I know the likelihood of him slipping isn't very high, but there is always a possibility that I would probably go Jamin Davis two, um, JOK, um, Jeremiah Wusukoromora three, and Zayvon Collins four. But I think that if you add any of those four guys um, to your defense at 19, um, you're going to improve your defense because, you know, the linebacker core was the weakest core of the defense last year. I think anybody um, with two eyes can actually see that. Um, and, they and you know, it's in need of a, of a upgrade. It's in need of a major injection. Um, so that's for the linebacker position. Um, and while I, I, I don't think that we would, you know, that that's honestly – um, that or the safety position where there's only one guy who I think would actually be worth a pick um, at 19 or worth our pick in the first round. And that's Trayvon Morick. He's a safety out of TCU. He's 6'1", 202 pounds. And at his pro day, he ran a 4'5 flat. And what I like about Morick is he's versatile and he is aggressive, guys. He's a safety that will run the alley and he'll, he'll knock your head off. Like, he's that type of guy. And he's not the biggest guy. You know, he's 202 pounds. And if you guys don't know what I I mean by run the alley he's somebody that you know tracks the ball from the safety position and meets it head on you know meets it almost at the perfect angle every time so that you know extra yards aren't needed because he's meeting you where you know where, where, where the meet point is and he's knocking you back and he's he's being the enforcer that you know we need on the last line of the defense um, he's aggressive, and like I said, he's versatile. He can play deep, um, and I've seen him make plays on the ball as the deep safety, or he can play in the box, and that's one of my... Um this is one of my favorite things about him as a prospect because I'm honestly shying away from strong safeties um, within throughout the draft prospect because you got to consider, you know, I don't think that we'll be able to get Landon Collins' contract off the book. And I think that Cam Curl is more of a strong safety. So with Morig's ability to play free while also, you know, having the ability to, you know, interchange with Cam Curl or Landon Collins um, every now and then and be a split safety or play in the box. Um, that his versatility is actually which, um, what is values him as, you know, what, like I said, the only safety that I would take at 19. Um, one of my, my, my only thing, and like I said, I have seen him make plays on the ball, so this may be like a consistency type of thing or a focus type of thing, is his depth of awareness when he does play deep sometimes, his spatial awareness, seems to be a tad bit off but he's such a good athlete and his instincts are so good um outside of that spatial awareness trait that he's able to um compensate for it a lot and i know um dealing with troy apke um where i think that he has a, a depth of perception issue as well i don't know if that's what you want out of your last line of defense and out of your safety position but i would if like if morig is on the board at 19 which he may be because um, I haven't really seen him projected at um, anything higher than 19. And I've seen him um, projected, you know, in the later first round, um, in the later half of the first round. So I, I, I would love the Trayvon Morey pick at 19. And um, to, to, um, carry, to top off or to finish up um, round one, um, the only cornerback that I can see us taking is Patrick Sertan if he falls. I think that Patrick Sertan is the cream of the crop for the cornerback position in this draft. Um, you got other good um, corners like J.C. Horn out of um, South Carolina and the guy Caleb um, I think Caleb Faison out of um, Virginia Tech. But the only way that I see us um, selecting a cornerback in the first round at 19 is if Patrick Sertan falls. Um, Patrick Sertan is 
a prototype corner. He's about 6'1", 210 pounds. He ran a 4'3", 540, and he's 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 been locking receivers up in the SEC for three years. You know, he's Patrick Sertan, um, the former corner's son, and that's the only only way I see us, you know, spending a selection on a cornerback in the first round. And the reason that I say that is, guys, we got to remember that we did just give William Jackson a $14 million contract. And while, you know, that's not break the bank money, we do have $24 million to up in our cornerback position between he and Kendall Fuller. So I don't think that we're going to go ahead and sign um, another cornerback to a first round deal who's potentially going to be in line for another big contract when his first round um, contract ends. So those are the realistic draft options that I can see Washington selecting at 19 um, in the first round of the draft. And those were the linebackers that I mentioned, Trayvon Morig, and the only cornerback that I can see them selecting is Patrick Sertan, the cornerback out of Alabama. So moving to 51 and the second round of the draft, there are a slew of names um, that I can actually see um, Washington um, entertaining at 51. The first one is Richie Grant. He's a six-foot safety out of 190. Um, I, I said, I don't excuse me, out of UCF, and he is 195 pounds. So, like I said, guys, I'm becoming more attracted to free safeties for the Washington football team because I think that's what we need for our roster, and I think that's what is going to best fit our roster. Um, so, um, Richie Grant is um, actually, you know, I think he's the second best free safety in the draft behind Morick. Um, you know, he has good instincts, um, which allows him to make a lot of plays on the ball. I think I saw a stat where he had um, about 16 interceptions over his last 13, 34 games or things like that. He had a um, really strong senior bowl week. Um, the only question that I really have is um, he does have some inconsistencies as a tackle, as a tackler where somebody that's 195 pounds may have, especially in the NFL where you're tackling 235 five pound running backs um and i don't know if he's that elite athlete and he's going to give you that elite level range i like i said he had a lot of interceptions but i think that was a lot due to he's a smart football player he has really good instincts he was able to you know make a lot of plays before the plays were there due to his instincts but in the nfl instincts isn't always going to help you out you got to have some you know athleticism or some superior athleticism um to make plays on the ball so i don't know if he's that elite level athlete and that's honestly the only reason why i don't see him getting drafted in the first round um and that's Rich, Richie Grant that's a safety um out of UCF um the next um player that I want to mention is a linebacker out of Mizzou um, Missouri which is Nick Bolton he is 5'11 240 pounds um and he's a shorter linebacker um he's downhill he reminds me a lot of Denzel Perriman uh, one of the concerns I have um, is him in coverage. You know, um, he's not necessarily a bad athlete, but he's a he's an average athlete. And when you get those guys, um, when you're covering this, um, as a linebacker, you tend to be covering the middle of the field. So you'll be you'll deal with you know six four to six five tight ends where you're covering the seams, or you're dealing with quick shifty um, wide receivers. I mean slot receivers and things like that. So you know I don't think he has that uh, athleticism where he's going to be a coverage linebacker. 
linebacker and he's 5'11". You know, so he's either going to be checking those quick shifty um, slot receivers or he's going to be checking these big tall tight ends and giving up six or seven inches. Um, but one of the things that I do like about him is he will smack you in the mouth. He, he's downhill all the time, all four quarters, and he's not going to give up on a play. Um, he has a good punch when taking on linebacker um, linemen, and that's something that I like to see, especially at 5'11". He's somebody that will meet you. He'll meet you, um, and he'll get, get, shed you off with his powerful hands and make the play on the linebacker. Um, he looks a lot, and I'm Washington football fans, I'm not saying that he's nowhere near the player. I'm just talking about stature. His stature reminds me a lot of London Fletcher. Um, and we, if we can remember, London Fletcher is a potential Hall of Fame type um, talent, you know, uh, has a potential Hall of Fame type career. But as we moved later into his um, career and as the NFL became more of a passing game, he became more of a li uh, liability in coverage. And it wasn't even that, you know, his athleticism was so bad. You know, it deteriorated at some points. But I can remember some people just making catches over over London because he was 5'10". You see what I'm saying? And he's, don't get me wrong, I love London. Fletcher, one of my favorite Washington football team players of all time. But there were some instances, you know, where, you know, his measurables just didn't stack up. Um, and that's Nick Bolton. Um, so that's another option that I think that the Washington football team will entertain at 51, along with Jabril Cox. He is a 6'3", 233-pound line, um, linebacker out of LSU. And he's actually somebody that um, transferred from North Dakota State University, um, the same school that Trey Lance and um, Carson Wentz went to. And one of the things that I liked about Jabril Cox is that, you know, making that FCS to FBS jump, um, he didn't really, like, lack athleticism. Like, he he, didn't, he wasn't at a deficit at, um, with his athleticism. And he's somebody that, to me, displayed good instincts. And, and you know, while he doesn't really have a, a standout trait, he has a good all-around game to me, you know. Um, there's sometimes where he may be engaged on blockers some, um, for a little bit too long, but I've seen instances where he's shedding a blocker quicker than they, I, may, I may expect. There's some instances where he's, you know, getting beat in zone coverages and things, but there's some instances where I'll see him bottling up a pass concept or sitting on a route in zone coverage. So, you know, his biggest thing with me is his consistency. That may be due to the lack of experience playing, you know, high, high-level football, no shade to the SES, no shade to North Dakota State. Um, so I think he's a little bit, um, he's a little wet behind the ears. And I think even with more experience, um, Jabril Cox can be a player for the Washington football team in the future. Um, and then I do want to mention um, another um, player. Player, and that's Boogie Basham. Um, he's an edge, technically, um, out of weight force. He's about 6'3", 284 pounds. But the thing that I like about him is that he's a versatile player. He can play the D tackle position or he can play the D end position. Um, he's compactly built. And he's a he's a technical rusher. But he, he, he makes plays. Like, he makes plays happen. He's productive. He makes plays happen. And he has a, a relentless pursuit to the ball, which is something that I like as well. Uh, and he's a local kid coming from Virginia. So, you know, um, I'm pretty sure, you know, Ron and the guys doing their due diligence on all the guys, especially, like, the local kids, like, um, Boogie Basham and Christian Durasaw and guys like that. Um, so those are some potential names that I can see the Washington football team entertaining at 51 in the second round of the draft. So that's safety Richie Grant, um, linebacker, um, linebacker Nick Bolton from uh, Missouri, um, defensive end, defensive tackle Boogie Basham, 6'3", 280 pounds, um, out of Wake Forest, and then Jabril Cox, linebacker out of LSU.
All right, moving on to the third round. Moving on to the third round. So remember, guys, we have um, two picks in the third round. We have pick 74 and then picks 82. Um, so there's a couple of guys that we can actually get in the third round. And, guys, um, I know this may seem like uh, I'm mentioning a lot of linebackers, and that's just because this, this draft class is very linebacker heavy. This draft class, um, honestly, um, I think that it has more offensive talent than defensive talent, but at a couple positions like cornerback position and the linebacker position, I think that this um, this draft class is very deep and has a slew of talent that you can get um, in any round, you know, one through seven, that can potentially make um, your roster and um, stick. Um, so for the third round, um, there's a lot of linebackers that I want to mention again. Um, the first one is Dylan Moses, linebacker out of Alabama. Um, and he's somebody who, coming out um, after the 2018 season, he's somebody that, you know, um, teams were projecting to, you know, be a high selection coming out of his junior year. But he did um, sustain an ACL injury um, that he was coming back from in the 2020 season when he decided to stay for his senior year. And he didn't look like the same player that we at last saw um, fully healthy in 2018. Yeah, 2018. So um, in this past season, it just looked like he was regaining form. Um, so um, I think that he did lose a little bit of his athleticism, if we're being honest. Um, I saw him become a liability in coverage in the SEC at Alabama this year. Um, but he's somebody that's so good in the run game. Like, he's really good in the run game. He's somebody that I can think can start for you at Sam right away and give you and, and at least be a good two-down linebacker that you may have to sub out when you um, transitioning out of your base defense and moving into sub packages and things like that. Um, that's Dylan Moses out of Alabama. Like I said, really strong run, defend, run defender. Um, and I do think he has good instinct. I just think that he lost a little bit of his athleticism with that ACL injury because in 2018, the last time that we saw him fully healthy, I was seeing him running down, tracking, um, run plays down from the backside and things like that. And you didn't really see that twitchiness or that explosiveness um, in his film in 2020. So, you know, maybe hopefully, you know, this was, you know, him getting used to, you know, playing with that new ACL and things like that. And um, he can only go. Um, but up um, from the 2020 season and his 2020 season wasn't horrible so I don't want you guys to think that he just looked like the shell of the player that um, potentially that was you know priorly projected to go um, potentially in the first two rounds um, another linebacker that I want to mention from another big school is Pete Warner or Pete Werner, who actually um, shocked a lot of people by running a 4-5 at his pro day. Um, and he has ideal size for either a Sam or a Will linebacker in a 4-3 defense. He um, sized out at about 6-3, 240 pounds. And um, like, I, um, like I said, um, the way that he tested in his pro day honestly shocked me. Because um, when I watched his film, he's somebody that I thought had, you know, average to below average athleticism but really good instincts and he found the ball so he was in the right place at the right times a lot but he had average instincts but you know looking back at his pro day numbers he's a he's a pretty good athlete so you know he's somebody that you know when i look at his tape his tape actually is good 
but he's somebody that I, you know I I had questions about his athletic deficits. But you know he's somebody that can potentially shoot up draft boards now. When you see those athletic numbers, like somebody with that size running four or five, um, and I, I always thought that he was pretty decent in coverage. Um, you see where um, there's plays where he's there in coverage, but he doesn't necessarily drive on the ball the fastest. So um, the receiver is actually able to make the catch, and that's why I thought you know he wasn't the fastest type of guy. But you know when he has you know four or five speed, maybe that's a technique thing that can be taught in the NFL. Uh, so he's actually somebody that shot me. And like I said, he has great size at 6'3", 240 pounds. Another linebacker that I want to mention um, that we can either get at 74 or 82 or potentially um, a little later is Chad Surratt, um, a linebacker out of North Carolina. He's a shorter type linebacker at about 5 um, foot 11 inches, but he is a tackling machine. Over the last two seasons, he averaged about 10 tackles per game and um, you know, he's coming from the same school that Cole Holcomb came from. So I'm pretty sure you can get some good intel um, from a guy like Cole um, playing with Chaz. Um, Chaz does have some um, size limitations and athletic uh, limitations, but he's um, he's a film junkie. I can tell that because his instincts are amazing. And um, for his lack of size, he's somebody that takes on um, linemen and sheds blockers pretty well. Um, so those three linebackers are potential options in the third round at 74-82. Dylan Moses out of Alabama, P. Werner out of Ohio State, or Chad Surratt out of North Carolina. I do want to get some secondary players in. A corner that I do potentially, um, that I do like, that may potentially be there in the third round is Paulson Adebo. Um, he's a corner out of um, Stanford. He's about 6'2". Um, he has about 32 to 33-inch arms. And he's a good athlete for somebody that size. Um, at Stanford's Pro Day, he ran about a 4'4". And before the 2020 season, he was actually projected to go um, early in the draft as well. Um, his draft stock kind of slipped as well. Um, but he's somebody that, you know, I can see... Um, the coaching staff taking a flyer on because he's a big boundary corner. Um, and like I said, I don't necessarily see them spending too much draft capital on the early rounds, but this is where, you know, you start taking chances on guys with good measurables and good athletes. Um, he, he gives you something that you don't necessarily have, you know, Will Jackson, um, is only six feet, you know. Um, he he plays bigger than he is due to his long arm length. But somebody like Paulson will be, you know, he'll automatically like once he's drafted, he'll automatically be the biggest corner on your roster. He can match up with bigger receivers, and that's something that you'll need in the NFC East. I know, like I said, guys, I always keep the 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 the, the division, excuse me, the division in mind when I'm building my team. So you got to think when you're going against the killing Gallaudet days of the world. Um, the Amari Coopers of the world, these bigger receivers, uh, you know, somebody like Paulson um, Adobo, who's a good athlete with tremendous size, um, has the potential to, you know, capably, uh, has the potential to, you know, one day match up with him under the right coaching where he's getting, you know, new techniques and better techniques to learn um, the position in the NFL. And then um, one of my sleeper picks, that a pick that I love that I haven't seen a lot of people talk about until I heard Greg, Cos Greg Cosell talk about um, this past week in a podcast that I was listening to. And um, I, I really listen to what Greg Cosell says when he's speaking because he's somebody that I know is tied into a lot of NFL circles. And like I said, this is a name that... I've been infatuated with this player for a couple of years, um, and I, me not hearing his name a lot 
um, on the mock drafts, um, in, in, in discussion boards in the Washington football team community kind of threw me off because, you know, he's a player that I've been, I've been on his radar for a couple years and he's a, he's a player that, um, is coming from a, uh, that plays a position of need. And that's Andre Cisco free safety out of, um, Syracuse. Now Cisco only played two games this past season because he got um, injured in the pregame warmups prior to the third game that resulted in him sitting out the entire season. But in those two games he had 12 tackles and one interception you know in 2019 he had five interceptions in the big um playing um I think yeah in Syracuse is in the ACC playing in the ACC as a, a true as a freshman in his freshman year he had 18 passes defended and this isn't a little guy guys I said he is 6'1 215 pounds um, 200, yeah, 215 pounds. You usually tend to think of your free safety, your rangy type free safeties being the smaller type compact guys like an Earl Thomas type or like a Kevin Byer type. But he's somebody that gives you like cam curl size with elite level range. Um, I'm, I don't have his um, testing numbers in front of me right now. I'm not sure if they've even tested yet, but I'm curious to see what his 40 time is because he's he's the he he's he at time has this, has displayed elite level range, and I don't think that he's the fastest guy. So that may be due to his, you know, instincts, as I mentioned before with other players. Or that may be just due to, you know, he's a better athlete than I gave him credit for. You know, he's somebody that has very soft hands for a DB. If he gets his hands on the ball, he's making a play on the ball. And that's one of my that's one of my favorite traits that I can get out of a DB. I like a turnover creating turnovers is a mindset. You know, that's what I heard when I was playing football. And Andre Sisko has that mindset of, you know, that football is in the air. That football is mine. He's attacking crossers. He's attacking drag routes. And he's just, he's just, like, when the ball, his pass coverage, I really, there's really not a knock. Now, the reason that he may not be, you know, mentioned as high up as um, other safeties or being mentioned in these mock drafts and the reason that we may haven't heard his name as much is because he can, he can, um, use a lot of improvement in the run game. He isn't somebody necessarily that you want as the last line of defense. But remember, guys, we're doing Washington football team building, you know. You know, Cam Curl and Landon Collins went healthy prior to this year. I'm giving him a little credit. I know I'm reaching a little bit. But prior to this year, and when he was healthy, you know, he was a pretty short tackler. Um, and Cam Curl is, is a very short tackler. So, you know, you can have that as your last line of defense. And then you can have um, a guy like Cisco roaming that back end, making plays on the balls and things like that. Um, he's somebody that I think is better as a split safety more than, you know, playing a lot of cover three or cover one single high as the free safety. And that's, you know, that's that's not um, necessarily a bad thing um, with this football team, because if you guys can remember from last season, we played a lot of cover two and a lot of cover four under Coach Del Rio where, you know, the split safety is ideal, and that's where, you know, the split safety is utilized the most. So, guys, that's a lot of draft options that we gave you. We gave you some linebackers. We gave you some D linemen. We gave you some line, some some secondary players. That was we gave you a lot of coverage to look forward to as we lead up to the draft. Um, like I said, the draft is about three weeks away. Guys, we're actually doing a collab podcast um, with Tay and Todd, the um, Raw with Rio podcast, um, and um, a couple of other people that we'll actually be doing for the draft. So I want you guys to be on the lookout for that. As I always say, as I always say, 
please, 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 please follow our Instagram and our Twitter pages. Our Instagram page is at BleedingBNG. That's B-L-E-E-D-I-N-G-B-N-G. And then our Twitter page is at BleedingBNG. The spelling's a tad bit different. That spelling on that handle is at B-L-E-E-D-I-N-B-N-G. And then, guys, we're on all podcast platforms at this point. If you're using Apple, please feel free to subscribe. Please, please leave us feedback. Please, please rate. Those things help us out a lot as we try to advance and move forward in this business. Guys, like I said, I want the I want Bleeding BNG to be your 24-7 number one source for everything Washington football team. So, you know, you guys leaving feedback and leaving star ratings on our podcast and things like that helps us out a lot because that pushes the algorithm forward. And then also for my YouTube fam, if you're listening on YouTube, please, please subscribe. Please, please subscribe. And if you're listening on audio only, but you want to subscribe to us on YouTube, you can find us by searching at Bleeding Burgundy and Gold or at Bleeding BNG. Um, so that's it for episode 11, guys. Like I said, we're going to have some more draft coverage as we get closer to the draft. But, guys, it's time. I'm so excited, and I'm ready for the draft. Thank you guys for tuning in for, to episode 11 of the Bleeding B&G podcast. Can't wait to see you guys for episode 12. Thank you.